Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Kelsey Zeiser, Senior Editor at Light Reading, and I'm joined today by my co-host Mitch Wagner from the West Coast, Chief West Coast Coffee Drinker. (laughs) (laughs) Are you fully caffeinated today, Mitch? Not quite, but I expect to be by the end of the podcast. Oh, oh, (laughs) maybe we'll hear some, um, you know, some coffee pouring noises in the background there (laughs) momentarily i'm almost down to the end of this cup so oh nice okay all right uh well today on the show we've got sunil kandekar ceo of nokia's nuage networks welcome back sunil thank you kelsey really glad to be here yeah glad to have you on and we spoke a few weeks ago ahead of the mef 19 event a little bit about what we were expecting to see at the event. Uh, And we wanted to catch up with you uh, to get your thoughts now after the event on um, what some of the highlights were uh, and also talk a little bit about what we might be able to see in the SD-WAN market in 2020. Uh, So at MEF19, there was a lot of conversation around their efforts on SD-WAN standards They also announced some technical and professional certification programs coming up, uh, and there was a lot of discussion as well about their APIs. Uh, Sunil, what did you feel like were some of the highlights, or was there anything surprising to you about the MEF-19 event? Yeah, no, look, it was a really good event, as is um, the case every year when they they do a really good job. Um, Global event with um, really good representation from um, service providers uh, in in all three theaters, uh, Europe um, and Middle East, um, followed by uh, APAC, uh, and then also Cala and uh, mm-hmm. r- strong North American contingent. Um, I'd say on the technical front, um, you know, it, the event was dominated uh, by SD-WAN and related topics, which uh, really shows how important um, SD-WAN has become in the industry. Uh, right. the prominent, uh, if you will, topics of discussions where the role of um, SD-WAN for enterprise digital transformation, um, the mm-hmm. emerging trend of um, SD-WAN, and then um, how network security was coming together uh, with mm-hmm. SD-WAN. So um, really good um, sort of um, discussions across the board. Um, it was a really good event. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up uh, network security because that was something that we heard about a lot as well as, uh, you know, it seems like that's a a big focus area moving forward for MEF um, is is making sure that um, these SD-WAN services are um, secure. Do you think the industry at large is is headed in the right direction in terms of security for SD-WAN? I think so. I think security, um, you know, is something that's especially in the current environment, is something that's non-negotiable for enterprises. And Mm -hmm. as they see their applications more and more distributed in, you know, private, public uh, and SaaS clouds, uh, and uh, simultaneously their business users uh, everywhere um, wanting to access those applications in any cloud securely, quickly, and enterprises having to maintain their network security governance across the board, whichever mm-hmm. industry they might be in, um, security is a 
highest priority of uh, any enterprise CISO. Um, and, and so having that in addition to a really good, strong um, SD-WAN, you know, virtual private network, if you will, a walled garden, but very, very secure makes total sense. And so, yeah, I, I see that um, very tight interplay uh, emerge between SDN, uh, SD-WAN and uh, security going forward. And you all also um, demonstrated a proof of concept this year. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what the response was like? Yeah, um, it was very interesting, actually. Um, you know, we showed SD-WAN um, over satellite access. Um, SD-WAN, as you know, is an overlay technology and um, certainly is being offered o- over multiple internet, um, LTE uh, and Wi-Fi, um, MPLS, of course. Um, but what we did and the focus of the proof of concept was a um, bunch of uh, vendors coming together um, in terms of uh, provisioning, uh, Cloudify uh, provisioned um, us uh, um, uh, along with um, 128 Technologies. And then we interconnected at uh, Intelsat hub site. Intelsat is a provider of uh, satellite communication. And then we demonstrated uh, end-to-end sort of uh, connectivity. Um, so it was really coming together of uh, different vendors across um, different sort of uh, technologies, uh, provisioning, uh, underlay, overlay connectivity. But then also mm-hmm. uh, we showed um, automation via bootstrapping and end-to-end connectivity between branches uh, to mm-hmm. our SD-WAN portal. Okay. Uh, Sunil, how are cloud providers part of the SD-WAN ecosystem? What do you think about their involvement or their lack of involvement in the standards process? Yeah, you know... Um, Great question, Mitch. Um, this is something that's coming up, coming up more and more frequently these days as we engage with um, our service provider customers who are offering SD-WAN uh, service to their enterprises. And almost every um, enterprise, as, as you know, is availing public cloud uh, in one way or shape or form. And so having a ability to really have um, that public cloud access be part of SD-WAN is of high interest uh, to all the customers, all the enterprises. Um, we have um, announced a major strategic partnership with Microsoft Azure, uh, which included uh, virtual wide area network integration with um, our Nuages DVAN 2.0. And we in fact have a first deployment for um, an Australian industrial company called Ixom, uh, delivered by BT through their Agile Connect SDVAN portfolio. But um, in terms of their participation um, or lack thereof uh, in MEF for standardization. Look, the way we look at it is um, that the public cloud is dominated by, um, you know, three big uh, public cloud providers. And mm-hmm. the SD-WAN vendors are um, able to, uh, and for the most part, we certainly have uh, done integration with um, all those. Um, and, and so, that pretty much covers it. So the need for standards is less uh, just because of that. Uh, of course, you know, depending upon how you built your solution, we, um, being a pure play SDN um, uh, solution provider, we have some architectural advantages uh, with our SD-WAN 2.0 um, 
that allows mm -hmm. us to extend from branch user to workload in the cloud with a single common policy. But that's where it is. And, and, and you know, so yes, it's paramount that um, the on-ramps to public clouds are provided as, as part of SD-WAN, but um, it's not that high a priority. Okay, so would you like to see more engagement with them in the future? It, it sounds like maybe it's not uh, not as big of a priority, or um, how how yeah. will that conversation change over the next year? Yeah, I, I think so. In from the perspective of, uh, let's look at it this way: um, uh, Do I think their involvement in MEF would be a good thing? Absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and we would love to see them participate more in the MEF. Um, however, from the enterprise perspective, um, given that we have done integration, we now have customers that are um, using those uh, integrations to you know, sort of uh, have access to public clouds, and likewise other SD-band vendors have done it. From an enterprise perspective, they already have that interconnection available to the public. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like it would be nice to have that, but it's not critical. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk a bit about some more trends we expect to see for 2020 uh, for SD-WAN, as well as what SASE is and how that fits into the conversation. We'll be right back on the Light Reading Podcast. Welcome back to the Light Reading Podcast. This is Kelsey Zeiser, Senior Editor at Light Reading, and I'm joined today by my fully caffeinated co-host, Mitch Wagner from the West Coast Bureau. Almost there, Kelsey. Hey, Almost fully caffeinated. Oh, I plugged that too soon. <laughs> what kind of coffee are you drinking, by the way? I'm drinking... Inquiring minds want to know. I am uh, drinking a dark roast, a mix of 50% Windmill Farms decaffeinated and 50% Sumatra, also mm -hmm. from Windmills Farm, a local organic grocery store here. So I am just feeling like such a hipster. I should have a handlebar mustache. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did you get it at Whole Foods? No, it's this local <laughs> uh, local healthy organic supermarket uh, called oh. Windmill Farms. <laughs> it, it's on the corner of uh, oh, Del Cerro. Oh, crunchier. Uh, yeah, yeah, really. It's, it's on the corner of uh, Del, Del Cerro Boulevard. <laughs> if there's anybody in my neighborhood who actually listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. I've just been working on some um, reheated coffee from this morning, so not that exciting. But it is from a local um, roaster as well. Reheated? Um, reheated? You're a savage. Yes, <laughs> I know. That's like the way. <laughs> Bit microwaved. All right. Well, we'll get right back to it. Uh, we were just talking with Sunil Kandikar, CEO of Nokia's Nuage Networks, about some of the highlights from the MEF 19 event, which focused heavily on SD WAN this year. Um, and so, Sunil, we also wanted to talk to you a little bit about some of the trends that we might be able to expect to see for SD WAN in 2020. I know. Uh, for a while, analysts have been predicting some consolidation in the industry, and mm -hmm. it seems like we still have, you know, quite a few, about 30 vendors. So, um, you know, that, that didn't quite pan out the way folks were uh, expecting. Yeah. And we've also, we have had some acquisitions, such as 
uh, you know, VeloCloud by VMware and Viptela by um, Cisco in recent years. Uh, what are some things that you think uh, we should be on the lookout for SD-WAN next year? We talked, we did talk a little bit about, um, you know, the increased focus on security, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I, I think you're spot on, Kelsey. Um, there are, um, and it is an incredibly crowded market, um, you know, I counted almost 60 vendors, not even 30. So, um, but let me, let me. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have heard up to 72 as well. There so go. there's, it's a lot. Yeah, we'll just, lot. We'll, we'll decide on that. It's a lot. So, so let me, let me tell you, um, um, I'll, I'll give you the three trends I expect um, in 2020. Um, two, um, and then the third one is a, hopefully a consequence of the first two. Um, so the first one we expect um, continued momentum uh, behind the move away from do-it-yourself uh, SD-WAN to SD-WAN as a service, so whether that's fully managed uh, or self-service, um, but managed ultimately and delivered by a service provider. So definitely see that um, momentum continuing. Mm -hmm. And as you know, we have aligned our go-to-market uh, fully with service providers um, and we expect uh, to be beneficiaries as a result because um, service providers are transforming um, their portfolios from MPLS to SD-WAN and they see certainly a very big opportunity uh, not only in their existing install base but uh, you know in out of market uh, as well uh, to mm -hmm. reach. So that's one trend we see. Um, the second is uh, as we discussed last time, um, uh, certainly a tighter integration uh, of security and SD-WAN. And it'll be um, be even more in, in terms of the security because security is, of course, rather um, broad and uh, deep. Um, so there's the multiple things when it comes to security that we are going to see. But ultimately, um, it's about SD-WAN going from tactical cost savings um, and simplification of connectivity of branches uh, platform to SD-WAN becoming, um, you know, if you will, a network innovation platform that is uh, at the heart of um, the digital transformation of enterprises that is underway. Um, and, and that means, you know, service providers will be able, able to offer not only branch connectivity, which is fully mm -hmm. automated self-service, but ability to uh, have enterprises have multi-cloud uh, multi con connectivity, as we um, discussed in the previous segment, um, as well as end-to-end uh, -end, um, micro-segmentation, ability to have application analytics, um, and, and be able to use that SD-WAN platform for uh, network governance and compliance. So this is where um, pure play SDN platform like ours will, um, we think, have a very big advantage and it'll allow us to solidify our uh, leadership position there. And okay. So it's, it sounds like a, we'll have some more, um, you know, the SC-WAN um, service offerings will be a lot more robust in 2020. And then um, all, one other thing I've heard is just that how important those customer dashboards are yeah. for enterprises to make some on-demand changes um, to their SD-WAN service um, and also for those managed service providers to give them some more 
um, a more customized experience with SD-WAN. Is that what you're seeing as well? You're exactly right. Um, customers want to see um, what is it, what it is that they're getting from their SD-WAN service in terms of who is talking to who, what are the applications, what's the full inventory of applications in their network. But then more importantly, in addition to that, they want the ability to uh, change um, and bring up branches, if you will, bring up connectivity through a self-service portal. And that is often uh, confused. The self-service requirement is of, often confused with self-managed. And that's where we differentiate mm-hmm. what what we want to say is that, yes, it's super important for enterprises to be able to self-service, but they're happy and the trend is definitely showing that the service delivered is a fully managed service. Yeah. They, they still want to be able to jump on the phone and if, if something breaks, One right? To show. Be able to have that assistance. One <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They just, they just want to not, have, they just want to say, fix this. Sorry, I just say one comment, you know, it, the reason that's so important and why we think um, it's definitely going that way is because just imagine SD-WAN um, is using multiple underlays, you know, MPLS, multiple internet, uh, LTE uplink, Wi-Fi, and that's in multiple different geos. So imagine a multinational trying to you know, deal with all that rather than a single service provider and a single phone call. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the enterprise, and I don't mean the Starship. I got to get that joke in once a year. Um, uh, what uh, what can we expect to see in terms of how SD WAN is affecting enterprises' multi cloud strategies and security and so forth, and the other way around? How our enterprise needs changing what they're requiring from SD WAN. Yeah, um, uh, as I touched on it a little bit, um, you know, as cloud, as divan and security are becoming very closely uh, linked as enterprises uh, embrace uh, digital transformation. And, and, and so as divan is um, becoming uh, essential um, to uh, allow them to have um, multi-cloud capability. Um, so, the comp- you know, this whole old hub and spoke network architecture of legacy branch routers and you know uh, legacy firewall appliances and legacy van optimization of, uh, appliances just don't make sense anymore for um, the new generation of enterprises embracing multi-cloud connectivity with um, application in any cloud um, this is where um, our sdvan 2.0 makes perfect sense uh, we are really well positioned uh, to take advantage of this as i said um, as um, one of the few sdvan vendors that isn't competing with service providers, um, we are well positioned to, in fact, help them succeed. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting transition for me over uh, at some point five to 10 years ago, SD-WAN was about connecting branches to the data center. Um, yeah. And internet connectivity was about, well, you know, we like our employees, so let's let them check Facebook during lunch. Um <laughs> And now <laughs> connecting to the internet and the cloud is the primary need for SD-WAN. If your company can't connect to Salesforce, then you're going to lose a big sale. Exactly. And, and you know, they don't want to uh, trombone that traffic all the way to a hub site where there's that traditional DMZ with a traditional firewall. What they want to do is they want to 
drop that traffic at every branch and drop it directly into the internet so that um, business users at any branch can directly access Salesforce or um, any of the other tools that they might have or applications in any cloud. And so the challenge then becomes the SLA of that application has to be maintained. And the connectivity is pro being provided directly from the branch over a single, maybe multiple internet connections and the ability to ensure the end-to-end -end the user experience stays consistent. And that's where the magic of, you know, how you construct an architect and design that entire SD-WAN uh, comes into play. But yeah, we are definitely seeing that um, very much across, across the board. Okay, so um, one, one more question here. What is SACI and will it <laughs> replace SD-WAN? Okay, so SASE um, is how Gartner calls it, and um, they are the ones who uh, came up with the term. Um, it stands for Secure Access Service Edge. Um, and it's, it's really, again, um, something that very closely aligned um, with uh, what... Um, security and SD-WAN, when, when you sort of mash up both together, um, that's what it is. In, and it's, you know, in, from Nuage's strategy, uh, it plays well because, again, we have been talking about security as a service, as a value add to SD-WAN as a service. Um, so what Gartner sa uh, is saying with SASE is that essentially all the security requirements of enterprises, whether it's L3, L7 firewalls, whether it is URL filtering, it's IDS, IPS, um, all those are and will be part of SD-WAN and they'll be you know, important to be delivered through um, service chaining in the data center. So what Gartner expects is, uh, as they call it, a thin branch and heavy cloud. In other words, the branch and the device at the branch is still very much providing that application SLA, network performance monitoring, um, cutting through the, uh, to the underlay for connectivity to private or public cloud. Um, but in addition, um, the security functions are some being offered right at the branch, but a large portion of those security functions are being offered through service chaining in the cloud, if you will. And this was, again, where it plays to the advantage of the service provider who are offering this as a service because they can certainly offer this um, through their um, data center and service chain those um, uh, security uh, requirements, uh, whatever they might be of that enterprise, uh, there and as part of SD-WAN. So how, how is this different, different from the classical view of SD-WAN? Um, so the the difference, Mitch, is that um, earlier the you, you know there was this talk about branch in a box, and there still is very much talk of the branch in a box, where the idea is that universal CPE um, would host most of the virtual network functions right at the branch, and the only difference is that yes, that is certainly an important capability and most SD-WAN vendors will want to have that capability. 
But according to Gartner, and we certainly see this trend as well, a lot of those virtual network functions will actually be delivered through a cloud. Um, so rather than at a universal CPE uh, in a, at, a, at a customer prem. So again, a very tight linkage and interplay between software-defined data center and software-defined WAN comes into play as soon as you talk about service chaining uh, these network functions from the cloud. And we are excited about this because as you know, we are the only ones um, um, you know, that extend the SDN overlay all the way to the workload in the data center. So it gives us tremendous capability as um, this trend starts to continue and gain momentum. So is the advantage um, with SASE just that they would, you know, would it be more uh, cost efficient for enterprises to deploy new virtual services? I think, I think it's both. Um, it's if service providers, uh, imagine um, uh, deploying a virtual network function. Let's just take, um, take an example, you know, of a certain um, virtual network function um, mm -hmm. that is currently, you know, um, being deployed as a, um, at a branch, which means the service provider has to deploy it at every CP in every branch of every enterprise. Um, mm -hmm. Now, the automated framework certainly makes it easier, but it's still about maintaining, deploying, managing, debugging, uh, upgrading at every branch, every CP device for every enterprise. And we are talking about thousands of enterprises and potentially hundreds of sites of those thousands of enterprises for a single service provider. Now imagine that same virtual network function being offered by the service provider through um, uh, and from a data center. You have economies of scale. You have the ability for the service providers to offer um, and host and be able to scale out the virtual network functions in their controlled environment in their data center and simply allow for customers uh, from any enterprises to come in and be service chained through that virtual network functions. So it makes it far more streamlined. Um, it allows for um, better management, better debuggability uh, for um, service providers. So it just allows the, uh, the whole thing to be streamlined very well and it allows enterprises to have complete flexibility in terms of what service they want uh, and when they want it and where they want it. Yeah, that sounds like a, um, you know, a lot of advantages all around. And I think something that we should, would be great to pick up with you again in the new year and see, um, you know, how this is the, the conversation changes around um, SASE in 2020 and um, how things take off. Uh, yeah. So, Sunil, I wanted to thank you so much for joining us again today. It's been a pleasure, as always, speaking with you. Likewise, Kelsey. It's great uh, to talk to you and Mitch, as always. Okay. Have a good... And thanks, Mitch, thank you. for being an amazing co-host. And hope you get some um, some nice coffee this afternoon. Yeah, my coffee, cu <laughs> After uh, my coffee cup is empty now, so I need to fix that. Okay, we better sign off then. All right, thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Light Reading Podcast.